In that moment, everything becomes very clear for David. Cuts right through and he recognizes the extent of his sin and he is convicted by it and he is broken for it. And that is what produced Psalm 51. And we see in Psalm 51 that David does recognize the depths of his sin. If you look in the first three verses of Psalm 51, David uses three different Hebrew words for the term of what we would call sin. Often when you go to a a restaurant or you go to different places, they want to offer you uh, a sampling or a flight. They go, hey, would you like a a flight of of wine? Because I can't make a decision. So, yeah, give me one of each. And they bring you a flight or a flight of, of, a lot of times in the uh, breweries, give me a flight of the beer. Or uh, I've even been to places, which you'll be surprised, that give you flights of ice cream. And uh, they'll give you one of each so you don't have to make a choice. So you can go to the place where you say, yeah, just give me a flight. Just give me one of each, and I'll sample it all. And it seems as if David is aware that that's what he did in his life. He sampled all the sin that you could. It was like he just dialed up a flight of sin in his life, and he went with every one of them. David, in verse 1, uses the Hebrew word pasha, which is translated in our words David says, blot out my transgressions. The word is translated transgression. A transgression is a direct rebellion against God. God says, I'd like you to do this, and you say, forget you, God. I am walking in the other direction. And David is like, that's what I've done. Verse 2, we use the Hebrew word hawan, which is translated iniquity. All right, iniquity where David says, wash away all my iniquity. That means the the sin that is just at the core of who you are. You're born into this world, and you're corrupted. Your nature is just twisted. And David says, that's who I am. I'm a man whose very nature, if you cut to, to the very center of who I am, I'm a man who's full of sin. That's my iniquity. And then in verse two, he uses another word, he says, cleanse me from my sin, the word chitak. And this is probably really what we would assume would be the garden variety sin. This is the sin of God says, here's what I want you to aim for, but we miss the mark. It's a term that comes from the world of archery, where you're aiming for the target, but you completely miss it. And God is holy, and I'm aiming for it, but I fell short of that. And so David, as he sums it up in these verses, as he recognizes his sin, he goes, I've taken on this whole flight of sin, God. I I am in rebellion. I'm twisted. I've, I've fallen short. And David falls under the weight of his sin. And in verse 5, David says, uh, sorry, verse 8, David says, let the bones you have crushed rejoice. He's feeling like these sins are in a vice grip around him, and sin does that to us. It just keeps pressing on us and pressing on us because we feel the guilt, we feel the shame, we know we're going in the wrong direction, and it presses on us and presses on us, and David is feeling that, and he says, it, it's, it's, verse 12, it's taken my joy from me, God, in verse uh, 11, he says, it's your, it's your presence, it's your spirit, God. I'm missing those things as they press in, and they're squeezing that out of me. And he's pressed in by this sin in that moment. And so what does David do? 
He laments. David laments, Psalm 51. And on your handout, and as we talked about last week, there are steps to lament, because lament is a prayer of pain that leads to trust. And David is starting here in the pain, and this pain is caused by his own sin, by his own iniquity, by his own rebellion against God. And he's grieving over it. He's aching over it. He has sorrow over it. He doesn't know where to go. And so what does he do? He laments. And as you see on our our handout that we talked about last week and this week, the first step is to turn to God. To turn to God. In your sin, in his sin, turn to God. David looks at God and he says, have mercy on me, O God. Have mercy on me. That's our first decision that we need to make. Are we going to turn towards God or away from God? And David turns towards God because he knows that God is his only help. Where else can he go? But he has to go to God because David knows, he says in verse 4, he says, against you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. God, you're the one. I've sinned against you. I've rebelled. And God, absolutely right. Your wrath should come down on me. You should judge me. You should declare me guilty, God. You are the one who is there, and you are right. And so David says, if I'm going to be relieved from this, if I'm going to find help from my sin, if I'm going to get out of my guilt and my sorrow, I need it to come from God. So I need to turn to God. God, and David says, God, give me your mercy. And mercy is really where God not giving us what we deserve, but rather God makes a choice to show compassion and and kindness and and grace and and goodness. Yes, I, I deserve to be crushed, but in mercy, it's not gonna happen because you've chosen to show kindness. Now, why in the world would David expect that he could receive mercy from God? When he acknowledges, I've sinned against you, I've violated your commands, I've rebelled against you, I've stepped away, everything about me is sin, God, and you are right to judge me. So why in the world would David think he could turn to God and receive mercy. I mean, because once you think, I'm going to turn to God, and boom, he's going to take care of me. Why does he think he can turn to God and receive mercy? Look what he says, verse 1. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. We heard that last week. That's the Hebrew word chesed. Chesed is a word in the Old Testament that is used over 240 times. What do people know about God in the Old Testament? Chesed. What do we know about God? Chesed. What do we know? His unfailing kindness. Chesed. We know that God made a promise to us that we're going to be his people, and he will always keep that promise. And if we fail, he'll do what he needs to do. That's what he told Abraham. I will do it, Abraham. If you guys mess up, I will step in and do what you can't do for yourself because I love you. Chesed. 
said, and it's ingrained into their mind and into their heart and who they are as a people and a nation. And so David says, yes, I've messed up. I've moved away from you, God, but I'm going to turn towards you, God, and turn towards your mercy. And why can he turn towards it for mercy? Because that's who he knows God is. I mean, I watch enough heist shows in my life, and I was watching one recently where a guy stole all the diamonds. And the mob boss shows up and he's like, I want my diamonds back. You took from me what I have. I need my diamonds back. (laughs) And the guy's like, I don't have them. I don't have your diamonds. I don't know where they are. I need my diamonds. I want them. They're mine. And the guy's like, I don't have them. Okay. Off goes, you know, off goes the thumb. Then we're going to hit a knee. And we're going to punish you until I don't know where they are. All right, Vinny, take him out back and finish him off. That's what happens to him. Can you imagine the guy standing there? Uh, could you just give me mercy? The guy's like, I ain't giving you mercy. You stole my diamonds, right? I ain't doing that. But with God, we can expect his mercy. Otherwise, we would be in big trouble. And, and, and that's, I mean, that's the good news, isn't it? That we can turn towards God and expect his mercy. If we're here and we find ourselves in a place of, of sin, we can turn towards David and get his mercy. And maybe you're here today and you're like, I don't believe you. Uh, I don't believe God could forgive me. Pastor, you don't know the things that I have done. You don't know how far away from God I really am. I am so mired in sin, there is no way God could forgive me. Well, let me just remind you, what did David do? Adultery, betrayed, murder. My guess is that no one here has hit that trifecta. Otherwise, there's going to be a big awareness going on here in a few minutes. (laughs) Safety team, you may have to be alerted because I don't think anybody has done that. And I think maybe that's preserved here for us. Because we sit here and they go, oh, God can never forgive me. And we just go, well, look at David. The biggest sinner ever. And God forgave him. Because Satan wants to put that in your head. He wants to put in your head, look at you. You have fallen so far away from God. You are such a sinner. You should just carry that guilt. You should have that shame. Because God wants absolutely nothing to do with you. Because mercy is something you cannot expect. But the answer is, our God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And so we can expect mercy from God. We can expect that he would give us mercy according to his unfailing love. And here's some good news. I like good news. We've already witnessed the mercy of God in Jesus Christ on the cross. The scriptures tell us this in Romans 5, 8. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Get the chronology of that, folks. That chronology is important. It doesn't say, when I got my life together, it doesn't say when I started getting about 80% of the commandments right, it doesn't say when I... When I started moving towards God, then Christ died for me. It says, 
while we were yet sinners, while I'm helping myself to that flight of sin, and I'm walking in rebellion against God, I'm in my twisted nature, I'm missing the mark. In that time, God, because he loved the world, sent his son, and while we were yet sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. So if you don't think there is mercy for you, all you need to do is look at the cross because it's already been done for you. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ displays for us the mercy of our God. And in your sin, do not move away from God, but turn towards God according to his loving kindness, which we have seen on the cross. You turn towards God, and then in a lament, you bring your complaints. The complaints usually fall between this is who you are, God, and this is what I'm experiencing, and these two things just don't seem to match up. And David gives us a little bit of that here, even in his sin. You're like, how could he possibly complain to God that he murdered, that he committed adultery, that he was, you know, he was the one who was unloyal to his friends? How could he even complain? Verse 5. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Verse 6, yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. Hold on now, God. You are holy, and you expect us to be righteous and holy, but God, I was sinful at birth. I didn't stand a chance to walk this life that you call me to you, you ask me to be faithful, God, but the whole thing is, I'm tainted from the very beginning. I'm in sin from the very beginning. I'm sinful right out of the chute. So God, how is it possible that I could even walk in holiness when I'm just sinful? These are the same words that the Apostle Paul uttered in Romans 7, 15 through 25. Apostle Paul says these, and this is, you can hear Paul going, I'm, I'm trying to wrestle with this. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate to do, I do. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but sin living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is the sin who is living in me that does it. So I find this law at work when I want to do good, Evil is right there with me. What a wretched man I am. Sounds a lot like David's plea. And Romans 3.23 reminds us, all, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So just then, what are we supposed to do, God? 
You expect us to be faithful. You expect us to walk in holiness. But this is an unfair standard because we're sinful people. That's the complaint. And maybe you felt that in your spirit as you've wrestled with your sin. So in this tension between this is who God is and this is who he expects us to be, but I'm born here and this is who I am, do I just drop my complaint and walk away? That's not lament. That can be sinful. But lament is to take us on a journey, and so I hold this tension, and now I'm going to pray into this tension. This is the reality. This is where I'm at. So now I'm going to ask boldly to solve this tension, to solve this tension. And David does. And these asks are all grounded in who God is and what God can do. If I'm all sin and I'm going to rise above it, then I need you, God, to do the work in me. And David reaches out to the Holy One who he knows can make him holy. And so David just does a boatload of asking here. David starts out, blot out my transgressions. Blot is literally a term that means de-sin me. It's kind of like the stain stick we have setting on our uh, bathroom counter because for some reason, my shirts always have a little stain right here. It's as if the food I'm eating cannot hit the table. And it hits right here. And my shirts have a little stain, so we got a little stain stick to to de-stain the shirt. And David's saying, do that to me, God. Blot out my sin. Take my sin away. And then... He says, wash away all my iniquity. Wash away. That's a bath term, right? Wash, we get that. That's the soap and water. That was uh, me yesterday. I had this great uh, treat. We went, in the, we went to this caramel apple bar, which was so good. But if you've eaten a lot of caramel on sticks and on apples, there was not a wet wipe to be found in the whole building. So, so you just caramel all over your hands and your steering wheel. You're like, Ugh. and I couldn't wait just to get home. I wanted to just wash, get my hands washed. Maybe you've had that experience before, and that's what David is saying. Wash me. I got to get this dirt off me. I got to get this sin, God. Will you do the washing? And this is what we remember in our baptism, you know, that we're washed clean by Jesus Christ, and God does the washing. And then he says, cleanse me from my sin. Cleanse me, in verse 7, cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Hyssop is a plant uh, that you could find in the Holy Land. Hyssop itself and the flowers are kind of by natural remedy, thinking to be healing, but hyssop was the plant that was was dipped into the blood before the exodus, They dipped it into the blood and they wiped it over the door. They used the plant for that. The priest would use hyssop to put it in the pure water and then sprinkle the pure water on it as the mediator. All right, that's that's hyssop. Uh, It was the priest who used this word. And so, so David is actually saying, God, I need you to come. I need you to bring a mediator. I need you to get somebody with hyssop who can wash me, who can cleanse me, who can intervene for me and declare me to be clean, God. I need somebody to come and do that. Give me hyssop. And then David says in verse 
10, create in me a pure heart. Create, make something new, God. Uh, the word, Hebrew word used here is bara, which is, comes out of Genesis 1 for create. When God created, uh, he, he created out of nothing, ex nihilo, out of nothing. God creates something new. And that's what David was looking, he needed God to do. Maybe he was holding on to the promise of Ezekiel 36, 26, where God said, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Ezekiel 36, 26, the promise of the new covenant. I'll give you a new heart. He also says, renew a steadfast spirit in me. God, I need your spirit to stay strong. I waver, I go back and forth, back and forth, and God, I need you to help me to be steadfast. And then finally he says in verse 11, do not cast me away from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. This would be the worst thing ever, God, that in my sin you would leave me. In my sin you would leave me. Does that grip your heart that that could happen? That in your sin, God could leave you? It did David. It, it's like, God, I don't want you to, to, to leave me in any way, shape, or form. I don't want to be away from your presence. And, and, and maybe he's, and he got, take your Holy Spirit from me. Maybe he's thinking about, in the Old Testament, he's thinking about Cain who committed murder. Cain was cast away from the presence of God. Maybe he's thinking of his predecessor, Saul who it says very in the scriptures, the spirit of God left him. That was a reality for David, and David's like, the one thing I want, God, is I want to live with you, and I know that, uh, that darkness cannot live with light, and so God, keep me in the light because I want you in your presence. I want you, God. Are you ready for some more good news? Amen. Here's the good news. Unlike David, who lived underneath, under the old covenant, we live under the new covenant where everything that David asked for was already done. Good news. We don't have to ask God to do it because it's already been done for us, and it's been done in one word, which is... Jesus Christ. I think that was two words. Right on the money, Jesus Christ on the cross. Again, Paul asked these questions in Romans 7. Paul said, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Who will rescue me from this flight of sin? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, Jesus, says Paul. It's Jesus. And we read in 1 John, that the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. From some sin? No. From other people's sin but not my sin? No. All sin? All sin. Cleanses us from all sin. So everything that David asks for, God, will you blot out? Check. Will you wash away my sin? Check. Will you cleanse me, God? Will you send a mediator to, to cleanse me? Check. Will you wash me so I'll be whiter than snow? Check. Will you create in me a pure heart? Check. Will you renew a steadfast spirit within me? Check. 
all of that was done in Jesus Christ. Amen. And so what we have to do is we turn towards God and we ask him, we got to remember Hebrews 4.16, which says to us, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy. Where did this whole thing start out? I'm a sinner. Oh, God, give me mercy. Give me mercy. And he says right here, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. I'm marching to God. And I'm not worried that he's going to squash me like a bug because I've been a sinner. I'm not worried that God's going to shove me out of his presence. I am going to boldly come to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in our time of need. When we ask, God has already done it. So when we're in our sin, we turn towards God. We wrestle with, yeah, a lot of things going on in our life, but at the end of the day, when we come before God, he's going to give us mercy because of not what we have done, but because of what he has done through Jesus Christ. That's the good news of the gospel. And so what we need to do, I think, simply, is we need to go on to step number four and trust. And trust. The scriptures tell us that we're renewed through the transforming of our minds. And maybe you turn and maybe you move towards, Jesus, towards God and you're like, I don't know. Eh. I don't know. There's that Jesus stuff. He said it was done. It blotted. Eh, I don't know if it's going to work for me. I don't know if this applies to me. We need to trust that it is for us. See, that's always where the turn comes in a lament. It seems like we're going this way. I don't know. Is it possible? Could I actually come before God? It seems like he's going to squash me like a bug because I'm a sinner. And, you know, but, but I know this to be true. David says in verse 17, my sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. And you, God, will not despise. You will not despise. David knows with confidence, even though I was born in sin, I'm taking on this flight of sin, I know I can turn towards you, God. And if my heart is broken, and if I am contrite, friends, this is a place of repentance. This is where I acknowledge my sin. I'm on my knees. I, God, I, I, I've been doing everything possible to walk away from you. And God, I am here today saying, that was wrong. I shouldn't have done that. But God, in this day, I'm committed. I'm not just feeling bad about it, God. I'm not just thinking it's bad. I'm agreeing with you that it was bad. And I'm no longer going to do it. And I'm going to turn around. That's a broken and contrite heart. And David tells us when we do that, when we enter into repentance and, and we stop going the way of sin and we turn towards back, back towards God, he is right there with mercy. In a broken and contrite heart, he will not despise. And maybe David has had a, 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 a hard or stony heart through all these months. I don't know what the timeline was between him getting confronted with his sin and getting confronted with Nathan, but I imagine as David says 
He says, you do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit. And it's quite possible for months, King David was going to the temple every day, making his offerings and making his sacrifices, but it wasn't with a a heart that was broken or contrite. He was willfully walking in sin. He had willfully committed sin in trying to bring these offerings before God, and God is like, that's not what I want. I want your heart. I want your life. I want it returning to me. And David knows as soon as I make that turn, it's not about what I bring. It's not about what I hand to you, God. It's about this heart. And as soon as I turn with this heart, God, and I turn towards you, you will not despise it. And I know you will do this. I know you are going to hear me because you are, as David says in verse 14, you who are God, my Savior. I know you'll do it. And so listen to David's words in Psalm 103. A little bit of a journey for David. Psalm 103, between Psalm 51 and Psalm 103, verses 8 through 12. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. That's a journey. That's the journey of lament. Starting on his knees broken, bringing them to God, asking God, trusting God, and look where David landed. And I think today, if you're here and you're feeling the weight of your sin, and and maybe it's not just like, oh, a big sin like murder, or a big sin like adultery, but I think on a regular daily basis, this has to be our rhythm. Because we want to maintain our relationship with God, and I know each and every day I fall short of God's glory. I know each and every day I'm sampling off that flight of sin in some way. This needs to be our rhythm of our lives as God's people. But we know that if we turn towards him and we are legitimately grieving our sin and desiring this relationship with God and we move towards him, that we will be forgiven. 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us. Will forgive us. Maybe he'll forgive my sin. Will forgive us. Yeah, he might forgive. This is kind of an egregious thing. No, he will forgive us. Well, he'll forgive them, but not me. No, he will forgive us. He will forgive us. When the father saw his prodigal son coming down the road, he was filled with compassion. And he ran to him, and he threw his arms around him, and he kissed him. And his son said to him, Father, 
I am no longer worthy to be considered your son. I have sinned against heaven and you. Make me like one of your slaves. And the father turned towards the servant and he said, kill the fatted calf. Because today, we're going to celebrate. This son of mine, who was lost, is now found. Who was dead, is now alive. We must have a feast and celebrate. That's your God. That's your God who stands before you when you sin. Because he is holy, and we are not. But he has made a way for us. So as Jesus told us, ask, and it will be given to you. God, we thank you for these words here in your scriptures that remind us of the glorious nature of this gospel. The glorious nature of the gospel that needs to grip us in this day, God, to see the full extent of your love for us. God, some of us here today need to see that because we've been hiding in sin. We've been walking in rebellion. We've been sampling off that flight of sin. And God, in this day, we are turning our hearts towards you. And would you do that right now? Just turn your heart towards God. If you've been walking away from him, if you've been walking in rebellion, if you've been just convicted of the iniquity of your sin, turn towards God right now. This is your day. This is your moment. Don't run away from him. Don't keep giving him the cold shoulder. Don't keep pretending everything is okay when it's not. This is your day to get right with God and turn towards him and receive his mercy. Because there he is with his arms wide open for you. There he is with his arms outstretched on the cross for you. And in this day, and in this moment, he wants you he wants you. And just ask him to blot, to wash, to cleanse, to create, to restore. God, come and do that in this day over the life of this church family, God. And we ask that there would be no guilt, no shame in this place at all. Some of us have been carrying it for a long time and today is the day we're gonna let it go, God, and turn towards you. And will you just hug that person, God, and let them know your mercy this morning. Friends, this is the day to lament. This is the day to be set free. This is the day that you can take that old wineskin, that old way of life, that's not producing freshness anymore. That's not bringing joy anymore. That's not bringing peace anymore. And a new thing can be done. So God, out of these 
sins, out of our grief, out of our despair, out of our agony, where we have been crushed, God, we ask in this day for you to do a new thing. Come, Father God, do a new thing among us.